Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today. The readings that we read for each day are always written in the description of the podcast. So if you want to read them, you can read them there. And we always try to connect the themes of the three of them and find a way that they relate to something that might helps, help us with our emotional mastery. The readings we have today are from the first one from the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And there is a sense of praise that extends to creation. Arise and present your plea to the mountains. And then some instructions on what the Lord requires of us to walk humbly. So we want to think about that in relationship to Psalm 50 and parts of that Psalm where the Lord gathers the faithful ones before him in those that have a covenant. So that applies to us if we have accepted that we want to live our, our life according to God's laws, then we are part of his faithful family and he has a covenant, a promise with us. We want to think about that in relationship also to Matthew 12, verses 38 through 42, where Jesus contrasts that faithful gathered around God in the psalm with the scribes and Pharisees that request a sign from Jesus, but we know that they're trying to, to, to trap him. So he calls them evil and unfaithful generation. Let's think then through these connections. I'll offer some thoughts. And uh, if you have a chance to read the readings, uh, do so and find your own and share them, if you would, in uh, one of the social media venues. The reading on Matthew 12 Verses 38 through 42. Sees first the Pharisees. You, 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 I don't know if you do this, but you know, I add kind of dramatic effect as I am reading. And I can imagine the scribes and the Pharisees are coming to Jesus with kind of like this uh, tricking attitude that almost wants to be so coy, right? Teacher, just the name teacher, when you know that they're trying to trap him, he seems so hypocritical. We wish to see a sign from you, right? We've heard about it. Uh, and probably in their heart, they're saying we don't believe it. It's not even from God. We've heard those statements in other uh, uh, episodes. So we know that they're trying to trick him. They want, they want something that they can catch him on or they, they can criticize him or they can ridicule him in front of everybody else or maybe really witness that he cannot actually do it. But Jesus says quickly and directly, an evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign. So he is right on telling them, right between the eyes, no sign will be given. 
And then he says something that is a little strange, although we understand what it means, but I, I don't know enough. And it's so good to have sources where we can go and, and go deeper um, because I am focused on the emotional side, but there's so many wonderful sources that go deep. Like we hear things from the popes. We hear things from Bishop Barron. We hear things from Sister Miriam. There's a lot of wonderful sources that go so deep. But Jesus says, you won't get a sign except the sign of Jonah the prophet. And that's an amazing thing. He is playing the game that we are trying to play in these episodes. How do the Old Testament things connect to Jesus's actions? And then how do those connect to us? It's that trickle effect of God writing in the history of the world, salvation, and then writing it also in our very own life. So Jesus is saying the sign of Jonah, already you were given that sign. Here he was, this prophet that you know falls into the ocean trying to go against God's commands or instructions, mission, go, you know, to Nineveh, and he didn't want to do it. And then he's in the belly of the whale. And we know that Jesus will also do that. Jesus himself says that the son of man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And this is something that uh, I also ponder because I've been thinking about death lately. Uh, I had somebody ask me, because we recently buried my grandmother and we buried her ashes on the veteran cemetery because my grandfather was a veteran of World War II and of Korea, the Korean War. So we buried her and, and somebody said to me, why do you bury your grandmother? It's kind of old fashioned and we shouldn't really be burying people. I mean, you can just put the ashes somewhere. And the answer is very simple. We bury our dead because Jesus was buried. And if we follow our master, then we follow what he did. And he, in this, in this statement says, the son of man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And that is a powerful image we have to remember because it's easy to go with the cultural tendencies and think, wow, we could have a ceremony. Um, but no, we follow, our, we follow our Lord. And then Jesus talks about judgment in that the men of Nineveh will be judged. And the, at the judgment, the queen of the south, that we know she comes from the south and she sees Solomon. That's also a very beautiful story, that they will be judged. So Jesus is also reminding us that there is a reason why we need to open our hearts and align them, align our thoughts, align our feelings, align, align our habits and our actions, because Every action that we take, every thought that we have, every emotion ends up having a ripple effect because we are energy and our energy expands from us and it affects those that are around us, first of all. If we're grumpy, we affect them very clearly. But when we collectively have all these emotions, we create feelings that can end up in riots in our city. So controlling the ripple effect is almost like the butterfly effect that the scientists talk about. This is also true for our emotions. We're all connected as the body of Christ. And so everything we're thinking and feeling has a chance to be aligned so that we can remember the covenant of which we read in Psalm 50, and we can also bring our voice as we cry out, 
right now for the end of the pandemic, for peace in our country and in the world, and for economic prosperity for everyone, for simplicity of our lives, that we can reach out to those that are poor and we can align ourselves with those laws that are written in our hearts and know that at the end of time, we will be gathered around God knowing that we were his chosen ones. Prophet Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. I'll pick the beginning and the end of this passage to ponder with you. We hear that the Lord says, Arise. We hear that a lot. One of my favorite places in Isaiah is Arise and Shine. It's an instruction, a command. Arise, get up, be ready. And for a Monday, this is a sense of alertness that can help us to be ready for anything the Lord asks. Present your pleas before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. This is very different from a prayer in our inner room where we might kneel by our bedside and do a very silent prayer. This is a very public, very loud potentially a loud voice to present our pleas to the mountains. Have you ever stood at the edge of a mountain or a cliff and screamed in some way and felt the echo of the words return to you? It's such a magnificent experience that it's almost like nature is playing ping pong with with our voice and returns it to us. It's almost like there is that echo of response that God's creation brings back. And if you sing into a space like that, I grew up in the mountains, so we would spend many weekends out in nature, and there was opportunities to practice with bouncing our voices against rocks and mountains. Perhaps that's why I like these, these verse, that sometimes we have to use our voice loudly, Our bodies are almost like music chambers. If you sing and you put your hands around your mouth, you can see that the head, the entire head resounds. And in meditations, even in chants, like when you hear Gregorian chants, for example, or these deep meditations, you can have sounds that can help attune our kind of sense of amen. We can say amen and hear that kind of rebounding inside of us that aligns us and it gives us a sense of peace. And other times when we actually have to be loud and present our pleas in sort of a loud way that resounds through our whole body, it can build a sense of confidence and a sense of trust when we dare to scream it, to to be very loud and very bold in the way that we say it. At the end of this verse, we, we hear something else. You have been told what is good. We know what is good, so are we following it? Are we attuning ourselves in this speaking in front of creation, knowing that we know what is good, that God saw all creation, saw us, and we've been instructed in what's good. It's written in our hearts as natural law. And what the Lord requires of you, only do the right and to love goodness and to to walk humbly with our God. So first, we know what is good. So let's go do what is right. 
So knowing is really worthless if we're not doing it. Love goodness, so align our, ourselves with doing what is pleasing to the Lord because only he is good. So love the goodness and then walk humbly with God. Everyone that God calls has to practice humility. So to walk humbly with God as we praise loudly in creation. Those would be my thoughts on that meditation that would help me to be aligned. And uh, I look forward to hearing yours. The verses for today in Psalm 50 are, To the upright I will show the saving power of God. That's verse 23. But within it, within the Psalm 50th, I'd like to take the verses that say, Gather my faithful ones before me, those who have made a covenant with me. A covenant means we are free to choose. We choose that we want to follow these laws that are written in our hearts, that we know that when we align them, not that it's going to be easy, because our human nature is going to have a tendency to go in other directions. And we're going to have, like Paul says, thorns on our side, things that are habitual problems that we have to really fight, do battle with, because we keep doing the same thing. So we have to create strategies for for going one at a time and saying, okay, I'm going to work on this one thing, because it's otherwise sometimes can be overwhelming. But God gathers the faithful ones, those of us that have said, I am committed. I want to be part of your team, Lord. I want to be part of your kingdom. I want to be one of your knights or princesses or knight princes. And I've made a covenant with you. You've made a covenant with me and I am one of yours. Then God tells us, why do you recite my statues and profess my covenant just with your mouth? So like in Micah, it has to be shown in actions because that's how God is doing it in our lives. Though you hate discipline and cast my words behind you. The deal with knowing the law is that it has to start shaping our habits because our habits will create our character and our character will shape who we are, our identity and our identity will shape our destiny. But it requires discipline. How many times have we said, I will begin my morning with lemon water because it's very good for my system, but then we forget to do it. Or how many times we will say, I will do 10 push-ups every morning because it helps my endurance, but we will not do it. And every day I will do 10 minutes of meditation so that I can be quiet before the Lord and hear his words. But even though these are short practices, how many times we don't do it? The same thing with the discipline required to walk in the ways of the Lord. We have to tackle one thing at a time. Let's say that we are gossiping, for example, and that that just becomes a way that we're relating to certain people. So we have to tackle that. There was a time that that was a problem for me, and I actually wrote on my calendar so that at the beginning of the day when I would see it in my little iPhone, I would see one of the verses from Ephesians that talks about discipline of the tongue, that it's easiest, easier to rule a country than to rule our tongue and to ask very specifically for heavenly assistance to discipline my tongue. We have to put things like that in place because otherwise we become super wishy-washy. And um, it's the same thing when we're doing it with our children. We have to have a disciplined plan to say, 
okay, let's work on this one thing. Let's put your shoes away when they're little or when they're bigger. You know, you should only have an hour of social media this day and, and then plug it at night downstairs. So we create a discipline that then helps us to be disciplined when we are dealing with God's things, with his statutes, with his principles that are really trickling down through the rest of our life and imbuing all of our actions with his wisdom and his grace. And our actions then become a response of love to our Heavenly Father so that as we are walking, we're walking humbly with him, listening to him.